Software as a medical device, also referred to as SAMD, is one of the fastest growing innovations in the medical device industry. As with any technology that experiences rapid adoption, challenges related to intellectual property protection often follow. In this series, we take a close look at IP considerations that SAMD developers should be aware of as they enter this market. Today, we'll explore the challenges tech companies may face when developing an SAMD. Finnegan attorneys Corey Bell and Susan Tull join us now. Susan, what is software as a medical device? The FDA has defined software as a medical device as software that is intended to be used that performs those medical purposes without being part of a hardware medical device. And while that sounds like quite a mouthful, the FDA has provided examples of what it considers software as a medical device to provide us with more guidance in this area. So of note, the FDA's definition is closely tied to the types of software that the FDA plans to regulate as a medical device. And those examples include treatment planning software that would be used with a linear accelerator, and that's a machine that is capable of providing radiation therapy for cancer or other growth in the body, software for monitoring a patient's medical condition, or software that assists a medical professional in diagnosing a condition. The FDA has also provided examples of what is not a medical device, and that includes things like embedded software or firmware that is used to drive or control a medical device. Another example of what is not software as a medical device under the FDA's definition is software that performs administrative functions, such as encrypting data for transmission, or software that administers or monitors electronic patient records. So the FDA has come out and said that those are not a medical device as the FDA considers or defines software as a medical device. For purposes of our podcast, we are not limiting our discussion strictly to the FDA's definition of software as a medical device because we think it's important to understand intellectual property issues that may impact this software space regardless of whether or not the FDA plans to regulate the software in question. And we we certainly know that a number of companies are moving into the software and application space that their software may not fall within the FDA's definition of a medical device, but that they would be very interested in these intellectual property protections as well. Corey, what issues do developers have to address when working with a pharma medical device organization? One issue that a software company needs to be prepared to discuss is data ownership. The underlying data that is created through the software and medical devices can be quite valuable. So that's often a negotiating point that you need to be prepared to discuss. Another thing that you need to be prepared to discuss is patent clearance. So a lot of pharmaceutical companies are used to the idea of having their medical devices or software cleared prior to releasing a product to market. But that can be quite hard when, for example, you're developing an app that is run on an iPhone where it's sometimes impossible to give a clear clearance. And finally, you know, one thing that a software company needs to be prepared to do is work with the pharmaceutical company. A lot of people in the software space are used to doing agile-style development, which is you know, very evolutionary in its process, whereas a lot of pharmaceutical companies are used to doing a more waterfall-style approach where you have a lot of upfront requirements and a very strict timeline and more management structure. So you need to be prepared to work within 
their paradigm. Susan, for some tech companies, working with the Food and Drug Administration may be a new experience. What are some challenges tech companies should be aware of? Well, I think one of the initial challenges is making that first assessment of whether or not FDA clearance is required. So as part of this podcast and part of this series of podcasts, we've been focusing a lot on the intellectual property requirements and filings. But if the product is truly a medical device that falls within the FDA's purview, FDA clearance is something that would have to be sought and considered. So I think one thing that a lot of tech companies will have to consider is whether they need FDA clearance in the first place. A number of tech companies that are moving into this space may not be familiar with the FDA approval process and what is required to obtain FDA clearance, whether clinical trials are needed to obtain clearance, and what would have to go into the package of materials that is sent to the FDA. So I think just from the tech company perspective, being certain that they are taking that first step of performing the review as to whether or not FDA clearance is needed and what level of FDA clearance is needed is certainly an important consideration. And I think in particular, Corey mentioned that a number of tech companies may be used to agile-style development, and that's certainly true. But once you've submitted material to the FDA, that product is what they're going to be clearing. So for tech companies that are used to a constantly evolving product where they simply release an update to their consumers and perhaps the consumers can just download or access that update on their own, tech companies will need to be conscious of whether or not any update or evolution of their product would affect their FDA clearance. And I think a last thing for tech companies to be aware of is simply how long it may take to get the FDA clearance. Depending on what is required by the FDA for clearance and whether or not the tech company has all of the materials required for the clearance, all of the correct clinical trials to the extent clinical trials are required, the FDA approval process can take several months, if not over a year to two years, to obtain that clearance. Typically, software and app technology evolves at a very rapid pace, so I think that tech companies may be used to moving at that faster pace with a faster evolution of products, and they're just going to need to be aware that obtaining the FDA approval necessary to get their product on the market may take a longer time, and they need to be sure that their product has a lifespan that's long enough to warrant the length of the FDA approval process to make sure that it's really worth placing that product on the market and making sure that they have all of their ducks in a row when they go in with that FDA approval packet in the first instance to try to shorten that time span as much as possible. How does the requirement of software being approved by the FDA interact with the requirements of patentability? One of the first things that you always want to be aware of is Does your patent application cover the product you are seeking to gain FDA approval for? And as part of the FDA clearance process, the FDA may come back to a tech company or to a life sciences company, to any company that's moving into this space, and require that company to change their indications for use or to change some aspect of their product. And if a company has already prepared 
patent applications or other forms of intellectual property, they'll want to make sure that their applications are commensurate with any changes to their product that the FDA has required. And Corey, in terms of the patent protection and the patent prosecution, do you have any thoughts on the interplay between FDA requirements and patentability? Yeah, one more thing that a party wants to be careful with is they want to make sure that the clinical trials or corresponding publications with their FDA filing don't end up being prior art to their patent applications. And finally, Corey, given the necessity of FDA approval, how should tech companies approach application drafting or prosecution? So I think one thing that we've talked about a few times now is that it's really hard to change things after the fact. So when you're preparing your patent applications, you really have to think ahead and have your plan in place up front to make sure that you have a disclosure that's going to match what you ultimately get approval for. This includes not just making sure that you have a good supporting specification, but also making sure that you have claims that are going to match the scope of your product. So maybe having multiple sets of narrowing claims that you can choose from rather than doing a more iterative prosecution process where you're continually making amendments to the claims with the examiner. Another thing that parties may want to consider is the use of means plus function claims. Means plus function claims have kind of fallen out of favor in a lot of respects, but if you are actually going to be disclosing your algorithm to the FDA and to the PTO, this may be a case where a means plus function claim might actually be beneficial. And finally, another significant hurdle that you're going to have at the PTO is going to be patent eligibility. If you look at the FDA guidelines, they kind of model a software medical device product as inputs and algorithm and outputs. These things can be somewhat difficult to get through the PTO, but again, it's important that you disclose kind of the whole picture of the product to the PTO. So you can have things, the sensors, the camera, the components capturing your inputs. Then you have your algorithm and your outputs to make sure that you have what you need if you do get in a one-on-one battle with the PTO. Our guests have been Corey Bell and Susan Tull, attorneys at Finnegan, one of the largest IP law firms in the world. For more commentary on intellectual property news and issues, to listen to other podcasts, and to receive additional information on the firm, please visit www.finnegan.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Finnegan.